Hello from the BBC. I'm Eleanor Smallwood with an update on the war in Ukraine. It's the 97th day of Russia's invasion. In the east of the country, Russian forces are said to have taken control of about half of Severodonetsk, the last major city in the Luhansk region still in Ukrainian hands. It's been under intense bombardment, and local officials say they've stopped counting the casualties. The BBC's Joe Inwood has been monitoring the developments from the capital, Kyiv. Severodonetsk is a city divided by front lines. On the one side, the massed forces of the Russian army. On the other, its Ukrainian defenders. Russia is said to be continuing its tried and tested tactic of withering artillery barrages, trying to break the will of their opponents. But it seems that Ukraine's armed forces are holding on for now. The regional governor told the BBC it will be a difficult and unpleasant moment if Severodonetsk falls, but Sergei Hadai added that winning the war overall is more important. It's not just one battle. Regional governor Sergei Haidai spoke to the BBC and was asked what supplies were most needed to counter Moscow's offensive. Long-range artillery, because the Russians have enough artillery and they're simply firing at us from a distance. They're doing it constantly. They have enormous reserves of shells and they just fire at our positions for hours. And only after that do they then send troops on the offensive. So it's very difficult to contain such an enormous force without having what we need to respond. When long-range artillery arrives, which has a range of at least 40 kilometres, then we'll be able to destroy enemy artillery and then stop the Russian army. Ukrainian soldiers captured by Russian forces have suffered various fates, with some used as bargaining chips for prisoner exchanges. One soldier has been telling his story to the BBC's James Waterhouse. They held a dagger on my leg, up my throat, then led to my ear and said, it would be nice to cut off your ear. They did it to nearly everyone. I couldn't feed myself because my jaw was broken and I couldn't sit up, but some nurses would taunt me by leaving food down in front of me and say, try and eat that, you low-life Ukrainian. We were lying there without any painkillers or anything. So only my faith and the understanding that I had to survive helped me to carry on. Elsewhere on the ground, Russian occupying forces say the first cargo ship has left Mariupol since the port city first fell to Moscow. Russia says it's transporting more than 2,000 tonnes of sheet metal to Russia. It's not known if the Russians legally own the material. Mariupol is largely in ruins after a devastating Russian siege that lasted for weeks. Meanwhile, the European Union has defended its latest package of sanctions against Russia. This sixth round focuses on removing dependence on Russian oil. The EU's foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, says Moscow would now have to sell its oil at a lower price elsewhere. The Sovieteer Druzhba, or Friendship Pipeline, that supplies oil to Hungary, the Czech Republic and Slovakia remains exempt from the embargo. Hungary had opposed it. Mr Burrell maintains that the outcome is a workable solution. I think it's a reasonable way out of the discussion. So the sixth package has been approved. Not only think on the oil ban, think also on three more important banks out to SWIFT. It will still put more difficulties to the Russian economy in the exchanges with the outer world. Their compromise deal to punish Russia for invading Ukraine ends weeks of wrangling in the face of opposition from Hungary. From Moscow, here's Steve Rosenberg. It's a compromise deal, but it's still a big deal. The Russian energy market was basically built and geared to export 
oil to Europe, the budget here, the Russian budget, is, is heavily dependent on, on revenue from oil exports. I think that the, the full effect of sanctions is going to be felt here, I think, in the autumn. I think we're sort of three or four months away. Russian economists say that moving into the autumn and winter, things could get pretty bumpy here. And finally, a court in Ukraine has sentenced two Russian soldiers to 11 and a half years in prison for war crimes. They were members of an artillery unit which destroyed residential buildings and civilian infrastructure in the northeastern Kharkiv region. This trial was the second war crimes hearing Ukraine has held since the Russian invasion. We have more than 600 suspects. Actually, it is high level of top militaries, politicians and propaganda agents of Russian Federation. When we speak about war crimes in Ukraine, you know we have near 80 suspects, people whom we identify as war criminals and started to prosecute them. Those are the latest developments on day 97 of Russia's invasion. I'm Eleanor Smallwood at the BBC.